Welcome to Marriage and Money, a conversational podcast about personal financial topics aimed at improving conversations about money in your marriage so you can reach your dreams together. This is a weekly discussion brought to you by a seemingly financially incompatible couple bonded by the legal contract of marriage. My name is David, your favorite saver, and I'm joined by my faithful spender, Heather. That's right. You can count on me to spend. Oh, yeah. Don't you worry. I promise. I will not stop spending. <laughs> it hasn't been you a problem yet. You can be yet. assured. It has not been a problem yet. You've always delivered on that promise. That's right. <laughs> well, once again, we have a wonderful show planned for today. I just got to say. <laughs> I, I, I think this is going to be an interesting conversation. Maybe not a happy conversation, but it'll be an interesting conversation. And we're going to be talking about financial infidelity. Eek. That's a pretty serious word. Yeah. Fidelity is kind of, or infidelity, I should say, is kind of a big deal. When I think infidelity, yeah. I think breach of trust. I think bad stuff, scary things. Yeah. I was going to say, I think most people think of infidelity in the context of physical or sexual infidelity. But you can have financial infidelity if you've never really thought about it. You know, like you said, David, it really is about lying, hiding things from your spouse. So, um, yeah, I think it's a it's not going to be a happy conversation, but no, it's an important one. No, not at all. Not at all. And so I think we should probably start, like you said, by defining what is what do we mean by financial infidelity? And I think you, you got to it, you, you kind of got to the root of it right there around lying, hiding details. Um, I, I think it's also around situations where, where a spouse might go rogue. So it's, it's not just um, hiding something, it's going out and spending a bunch of money or doing making a big financial decision without the involvement of your spouse. Well, before we go to going rogue, let's go back to just lying and hiding. So, oh, okay. you know, I do think that's where it starts. And, and that can start really small, like just like lies in general, right? They can start out as small and they can grow. And, you know, true confession time, this is something I was guilty of. Probably, I don't, I don't think I do it anymore, but um, you know, occasionally I would hide some small purchases from you, you know, lunch with friends or Starbucks or ice cream, you know, you know, now we have fun money or different ways, or I tell you about it. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't lots of money. It wasn't like I was spending gabs of money or making us go broke, but it was just the fact that I was, you know, hiding these things from you. And I remember when I was a kid, I feel like the, the worst thing that my sister and I could possibly do was lie to our parents. Like, we got in the most trouble and the most punishment for lying than actually doing something bad. But I think it was ultimately, you know, about disappointing our parents, which is exactly what you're doing when you lie to your spouse. You're disappointing them. So this is a really sensitive topic to me because, like, lying was, like, the one of the worst things you could probably do in my house growing up. Yeah, and, and I think part of the, the lying piece, too, is that it, it cre- it's trying to create a reality that doesn't exist, that's the whole point of lying about something is is that you're you're saying that this is the way the the world is this is the way our finances are but they're not actually that way and so then your spouse or you as a couple then building build your plans based on a reality that isn't true that isn't real and surprise surprise you execute those plans and those plans fall apart because they're built on on a foundation that isn't there. Right. 
So, so yeah. Go, so going to the next one, you talked about going rogue or, you know, buying something without your spouse. So I do remember growing up, I feel like my dad would occasionally do this. Like it's, or, or maybe it seemed like, it. I don't know, maybe him and my mom were talking, but it seemed like she would surprise. Like sometimes he would come home like with a new TV or I, one time I feel like there was a car. I mean, I, I feel like there were purchases that stuff would show up and it always didn't seem like my mom was on the same page. Now I haven't talked to her about that. It'd be interesting. You know, part of it, my, it's felt like my dad really ran the finances in our house growing up. So I don't know how much my mom was really involved. So I think he felt that that was okay, that that wasn't going rogue, that he had full control there, but I would not recommend. And that is a good point. There are, there are relationships where certain decisions are authorized. There's been conversations in advance that say, decisions, financial decisions about this area or this topic, you have full say in, fine, go for it. But I think the piece there that's really critical is that there's been a communication, there's been alignment, there's been uh, there, there's been conversations that are happening. It's not going rogue if it's planned behavior that's been previously agreed upon. Right. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and then this I, I talked early on about the, the the trust the broken trust and to me this is what it really comes down to is that piece of financial betrayal you've trusted your spouse to behave in a certain way that you've talked about and or agreed to and then they they betray that trust and I think back to um, specifically like, I think we we probably all at, at some point, maybe in high school or something, read Dante's Inferno, the the 14th century poem um, by that Italian writer uh, Dante. Anyway, it, it, in the lowest circle of hell, so Dante's Inferno is all about traversal through through the the circles of hell, and in the lowest, deepest circle of hell, it's the betrayers. It's it's the people that have broken that trust. And I think there's a reason for that because that is fundamentally the the biggest way that someone can hurt you is by betraying that trust. You've left yourself vulnerable to them. You've left your checking account vulnerable to them and they've betrayed that trust. Uh, it's hard to get more serious than that. And I think what's interesting, again, like I mentioned earlier, is it can start small. Like, like you said, this is so impactful and like one of the worst things you can do but it can it can really start small and add up. I mean, you can start with just lying about the price you paid on something or, you know, like I did, you know, maybe hiding some transactions or here's one that I bet happens a lot, spending money on kids without talking Ooh. about it. I feel like that's one that and we don't have kids, so I should be careful cuz I don't want to judge people, but I feel like that's one people can hide behind like, "Hey, it was for the kids. There was a better you know, it wasn't about me, you know, they needed this and kind of using hiding behind that as, as an excuse, but it still doesn't make it okay. Yeah. I think you make a really good point that these things can start very small and then add up over time, or there's justifiably really good explanations that you can count up, come up with, right? You can come up with some great explanations or justifications for it that make it sound like you're actually doing a good thing by keep keeping this information away from your spouse or acting without the involvement of your spouse. And you're not. As much as you want to tell yourself, I think if you really ask yourself honestly, you can probably come up with, uh, you can probably recognize that this is not in the best interest of your marriage. 
So I, I think we've we've talked, kind of gotten a little bit about what it what it is, but what what it isn't, I think, is it's not disagreeing about money. I, I don't want this to us, us to confuse that. This is not, oh, I'm having an argument about money, and so there's some financial infidelity here, or I made a mistake where I was, we agreed to do something, and I did it, but I did it in the wrong way. I really screwed up. I cost us a bunch of money, or I, I screwed up our finances. That's not what we're talking about. Yeah, or like you said, you know, not like maybe you have fun money. And you get to do whatever you want with that. So you don't have to tell them. So if you have established rules like, hey, these are the rules that we're living by. I get this fun money. I don't need to tell you. That's fine. So that's not lying or hiding because you've agreed like, hey, Heather, here's 100 bucks a month. David doesn't need to know what I do with that. So, yeah, that's not what we're talking about. Yeah, this is this is being very clear of you. You know, you're kind of skirting at a minimum skirting around the rules on this. So today we want to talk about it because we feel like this is probably the most serious money issue that you could have. You know, like you can get into a lot of money problems. You can get into gobs of debt we've talked about in the past. You know, you can have income issues. But when I stop to think about why we're talking about this, all of those money problems you can fix. There's a solution. It might take eight years. I don't know. You might have to file bankruptcy. But you can fix any money problem. But this problem, if you are not talking about money and if you are hiding things, you can, there's no place that this can go but to bad places. Like this cannot be solved. And this can really ruin a marriage. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is, uh, this is one of those things that sometimes just can't even be, yeah, like can't be fixed. Um, it, it's so deep um, and so toxic that you want to avoid this at all costs. You want to stay steer clear of this. So if it's really that bad, David, and it's this horrible thing that we're talking about, why why would anybody do it? Ugh. What? Well, they're not thinking. <laughs> <laughs> they're not thinking this through. <laughs> well, I would say typically it's it, it's more the the immediacy, immediacy of it. It's it's I have this maybe this un, this expectation of what my life should be like or what should happen, and rather than stop and and think about it or talk about it, like no, I'm just going to go ahead and do this. I this is the lifestyle I want, and so I'm going to go and spend money in this way to go after it, no matter the consequences, because this is what I deserve. I deserve this. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a lot of people, you know, are living outside of their means and trying to live the life like you said, they think they deserve or that they should have based on what society tells them. And I think I was thinking about this. I think a lot of people growing up, they saw the lifestyle that they had a kid as a kid that their parents had. And they think that they should immediately have that lifestyle. And they either don't remember or they weren't around during the period of time that it took their parents to struggle And get to that place. Like, that takes time. You don't just, unless you're born wealthy and into a rich family, like, you don't just, you know, become an adult and miraculously have gobs of money and can have that lifestyle. Like, it takes time. You have have to earn it. You have to work for it. You have to work hard. And sometimes I think we forget about that and we're just like, well, no, society tells me that I should have the, you know, the four-bedroom home and the dog and the two SUVs and the boat. And that's what society tells me. And by gosh, I should have it. And it's like... 
Um, you I'm know, an adult. It takes I'm going to skip these steps. <laughs> I'm just going to have all the stuff. Yeah, yeah. Right. That, that that's really hard. And and I think that that comes down to being kind of selfish, right? It's wanting to skip those steps because this is it's all about me. It's all about what I want and what I want now. And I don't care about anything else. I don't care about the right way. I care about what I want. I think that's at the heart. I think that's at the heart of this issue because I think if you think really deep, like again, when you're acting in this way, when you're hiding and lying to your spouse, you aren't thinking about your spouse. You are, you are only thinking about yourself and that's the pure definition of what selfishness means. And so when you're hiding or lying or doing these things, like, yeah, you're being completely, you're not thinking about your spouse. You're being, and I think that is like a big part of what this is about. Oh, definitely. Definitely. I, I think, think for me, you know, as I thought back and like, cause since I've confessed that I've done this, you know, I was like, well, why would I have done that? And, and I think one of the reasons I did it was feeling a loss of control. And so, you know, I was 29 when we got married. I had been out on my own for a while, for a long while. And had my own finances and no one was telling me what to do. And so I didn't understand the freedom in like a partnership and that it wasn't that I didn't have control, but I think in my mind I was thinking and partially selfish, just like, Hey, I used to have the freedom and the, you know, be able to control what I was spending and I didn't have to report back to anybody. And so I think sometimes it can be that trying to take back control or feeling like I've lost control or power when it's really, that's not what it's really about. Yeah, yeah. It it isn't and it takes it takes some willpower in order to fight back against some of those urges because because you, especially um, if you've been married later in life, it takes time. You've been you've been operating a certain way for a long long time and now you've got to involve somebody else and it's breaking those habits, those old habits, those old methods that you had and it, it takes willpower to say no um just like everything else i mean we've we've made the analogy to uh, to dieting as well and you know it, it's very similar just you have to you have to fight those urges um and uh yeah it, it's just hard it's hard to say no and it can really become it it can become just almost overcoming to- yeah and back on that I think I talked earlier about the kids thing, right? Part of it could just be, you know, again, like wanting your kids to have certain experiences that you had or you had in your mind that they should have. And so, again, that whole rationale of like, hey, this is good. This isn't about me. That They should have this. That's another reason. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And one last thing I'm thinking of here is around um, addiction and specifically gambling addictions are one of those things that – Obviously, people are embarrassed if they have a gambling addiction, and they're going to want to hide that. And so that would be another form of financial infidelity. Uh, it, there, there could be spending where you're, I think you mentioned earlier, hiding purchases, that type of thing. Uh, but, but I don't know, gambling addictions or other, other spending addictions, I think, are incredibly damaging. Uh, and if you're having that, again, there, there's addiction help services out there. Uh, and that, that's certainly something where you need to pursue some assistance. So how do you spot this if you have it in your marriage? In my opinion, I think you're going to see these things. <laughs> I don't think you necessarily have to actively seek them out or play investigator or be like, do I have this in my marriage? I need to like investigate. I really think 
if you are paying any attention at all to your finances, it you're gonna you're gonna see you're some gonna warning some weird stuff going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There and a lot of these things can only be hidden so long. Like if if your spouse takes out a new credit card or opens a new bank account, eventually you might not find out in the first three to six months. Eventually, you're gonna see a statement come in the mail or. You're going to, I, I don't know, you're, you're, you're going to see some money disappear somewhere or th- there's going to be some clue that something weird's going on. Right. Or even like new purchases like, oh, he bought a boat or I don't know, like, oh, there's a lot more shoes than I remember. I mean, again, <laughs> like those things don't just appear. They come at a cost. And so to your point, I think I think the worst thing you can do is like try to play the ignorant card and bury your head in the sand on your finances and say, I'm just not going to worry about it or think about it at all. Like you should be, whether you're a numbers geek or not, you should be eyes wide open. Yeah. Don't what's going on. Don't make excuses. Don't be like, Oh yeah, I know there's a, a, I know there's a, a, a bunch of new shoes there, but yeah, it, I'm sure there were probably a lot before too. Now, I mean, you should be able to ask what's happening um, you should be able to have an open conversation about what's going on. Yeah, and then like if you if you haven't if if you approach your spouse and you're trying to talk about finances, if they're not willing to discuss finances, that could also be a warning sign that they're trying to hide something. If especially if they're the one in control of the finances and you want to engage and learn and get more invested and understand, if they're not willing to have that conversation. That could be a bit and, of a concern. And when you're having that conversation, be sure your approach is gentle and loving. Your approach should not be, hey, where did all these new shoes come from? What's going on? <laughs> that, that's probably not a good, probably not a good approach. Um, <laughs> right. Maybe start with, oh, you know, I noticed, I noticed there were a few new things around here. So uh, could we talk about where those came from or what, what's happening with that? Uh, yeah. Another more. another warning sign would be unilateral decision making. So if one of the people in your marriage is so assuming this isn't you, but if one of you is making decisions without talking to the other one, that could be a sign that maybe some things are aren't going the right way or that you're not aware of. E- yes. And if you're not informed of what those decisions are, and I get that other people that everybody manages it in a different way, their money in a different way, but, but you should be aware of what's happening, what decisions are being made and why, whether or not you are the one making them, you should be aware of what's going on. So, okay. So now you've, you've spotted it. You we know how to spot it. We know what it is. How do we prevent it? How, how do you think we could stop this from beginning to start with now? I mean, the easy answer is what we always come back to. Communication. Communication. Oh, Ooh, yay. Look at us. Look at us. We're on the same wavelength. <laughs> oh, we met also, we met also it's the jokes, answer to everything. Yeah. <laughs> I was just going to say, they should listen to our podcast as we cover all these answers of what you should be doing a lot. <laughs> we should on you a lot. Yeah. <laughs> what you shouldn't do is financial infidelity. <laughs> what you should do is communicate. <laughs> no, but I mean, that is huge. I mean, think about it. Just anything in your marriage, um, you know, you should be talking about everything and finances are no exception. So you should be able to be completely open and honest about what's going on in your financial life. And you better be talking about it with your spouse. You certainly better be talking about it. In fact, we did a whole episode dedicated Ooh, to Oh, we did, David? It was a little while ago. It was episode 25. Ooh. We talked about financial transparency. And that, it's that was the a opposite fun episode. of this conversation. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's exa- great. That's exactly it. Yes. We started so, on the positive spin. 
So we call this financial infidelity. Would this be financial opacity? Should should that be what we call Ooh, it? I don't mm. even know what that means. So. <laughs> it's the Let's opposite of it. transparent. <laughs> I figured. No. Um, so on the communication thing, something that we do, we recommend is maybe you need to set regular meetings to talk about it. So if it's not natural and that you're not doing it all the time, if you have a regular, hey, once a month, we're going to sit down and talk about it or However, whatever that frequency is, it's a good idea to just set up, hey, a regular standing time um, to talk about it. Yeah, that encourages you to bring up topics that you might not necessarily talk about just in day-to-day life. It allows you to have some conversations around goal setting. Setting goals helps you continue to work towards those things together. If you have goals, maybe some of those goals should be the things that are the reasons why maybe there isn't that communication happening. Maybe somebody really wants something and they don't think you're going to let them do it or they don't They don't want to bring that up to you. That Let's have that as part of a goals conversation. How can we do that? You, you can expand those goals conversations to Ooh, uh, resolve some of these issues. That's one of my favorite topics. I love having goal discussions. Definitely a good thing, which goes along with that is having a plan, right? So having a financial plan, what are you working on? We're not mean, it doesn't need to be super detailed, but what are, what are you trying to do with your finances? Where are you going? What's the plan? You know, David's the man with the plan. You got to have a plan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, this is all stuff we've talked about. None of this should be a surprise to you, uh, to our loyal listening audience, but y- you understand. You understand where <laughs> we're going with this. So now if, if you're in a situation, though, where you're hearing this and you're like, oh my gosh, this is me. This is my relationship. I, first of all, I, I, I mean, I, I want to say this is, this is a tough place to be in. So, um, so my sympathies to you initially, but, but what do you do when you're there? I, I think first and foremost, it's important to come clean. Now, if you're the, if you're the one, if you're the one that's, uh, been hiding things, come clean on it. Yeah. So basically do the opposite of what you've been doing. So you've been lying, you've been hiding, you need to be honest, lay it all out there. You can't move forward unless this happens. This has to be step number one. You can't move beyond it. You can't move past it without that happening. Right. Right. Yeah. You got to, you got to get things out in the open. You have to, it's important to apologize to say, Hey, I screwed up. Tell your spouse you screwed up. Um, Reemphasize that you need to change, that you want to change, why you want to change, why it's important to you. Not not empty promises. It's I want to change because here is the damage I've seen this cause. Here is what it's keeping us back from. Here's what I want to be working towards. It's not just I don't want to do it or I don't want to do this because I broke a rule. It's no, I don't want to do this because it's keeping us from accomplishing our goals because I see what we're capable of and I want to be a part of making that a reality. Yeah, and take take ownership, take responsibility for it. Don't hide behind, well, but I thought that this is what the kids needed or this is what everybody's doing. You know, don't, don't, don't lay out all those excuses and, and, you know, here was my intention. Just take ownership, take responsibility, call it what it is so you can move forward and hopefully rebuild that trust. And that's going to take time. Yes. Trust is not easily gained. And I I don't know that there's a, a clear formula for regaining trust other than time and doing a lot of things right. I heard recently that it takes... 
uh, like five, five compliments basically to undo one negative comment. And that's just, that, that's just like normal everyday conversation. And then if you have something like a betrayal, I, I don't even know how many orders of magnitude greater that is. So like that's an, that's a very difficult thing to work your way out of. So it's going to be more than five. It's going to be more than 50 good things. It might be more than 500 good things. It's, it's a lot of a lot of work to dig your way out of that. Yeah, and depending on the level of how serious this impacted your marriage, you may need to get marriage counseling. Yes. Like you might need to see a third party, someone to speak into your marriage and help you walk through this together. But you can get through it. You can move forward. You're not going to ruin your financial lives, your lives, um, but you got to start. Right, yes. And just, just, yeah, don't give up on it. That's right. Persevere through. You'll get through it. You'll do it. You can do it. We have faith in you. Okay, so this is a little different. Instead of talking to your spouse, we actually want you to do a little self-reflection first before continuing this conversation. Hopefully, it may lead to eventually a conversation, but first, take stock of what you are doing with your finances. Is there anything you need to come clean with your spouse? Even if it's a little thing like I was doing, hiding maybe a Starbucks run or just any small purchases. So take some time for a little self-reflection. So, David. Heather. How about we share a bit of a story of kind of what we've learned and how we've set up our life to make it really difficult to hide um, spending or income? Yeah, yeah. So, I think this was something we wanted to be, we wanted to insulate our lives from or insulate our marriage from. And we wanted to do that early on. And I think what made it a lot easier for us was early on, immediately, we, we merged our finances. So right away, we had, when we got married, we had a single bank account. I think that, first of all, gave a lot of transparency. But at that time, we still had, we still we had, had some separate, credit cards. separate credit cards, and there were transactions that you didn't see all my transactions, I didn't see all yours, you really, you knew about what my credit card bill was, but you didn't really know what it was consisted of, right? And then after a few years, we took it another step further and we cut up our credit cards and we went to a, basically a cash basis where we, I mean, we put everything on our debit cards and we went to, we, we started doing these, these monthly meetings every week where we, or not every week, every month where we reviewed what did we spend last month? What are we planning to spend next month? And wow, I mean, that was a level of transparency I was not used to. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting because as we were talking about this episode, we were reflecting like we've basically now made it pretty impossible for any any infidelity or hiding to really happen. Like I, I, we were brainstorming on how we would even do it. Like I don't I don't even know if it's like we've set up our structure, our processes, our lifestyle that it's almost nearly impossible to have this happen. Yeah, I mean we could we could spend money during a month, but it would be found at the end of the month. So Right. It we, wouldn't we last. 30, we have a 30-day window where But we even could go that, crazy. I mean since it's all coming out of the bank, like You're unless you unless you created a new credit card That's and right. hid that from me. But, you know, I recently heard a podcast that was talking about habits and how important your environment is. Like and the example they gave, one of the examples they gave was like, okay, well you want to eat healthy, then 
make your environment. So stock, you know, don't have cookies and bad stuff in your house. Stock your house with healthy snacks, make them accessible, have them around. And like just by setting that environment really drives it. And I feel like that's what we've done with our financial environment. Like we've set up our environment that like we don't even have to think about it. Like it's just kind of happening organically because we've set that structure up. And so I think anything in your life, it's a really good idea to like, whatever you're trying to do, try to set up your environment so that you can be successful. Remove that, that temptation, right. essentially. Exactly. Yeah, we set it up so that it's not possible to, to get in those situations to begin with. Exactly. Yeah. Love that. Well, I think that about wraps up our conversation for today. Remember, you can always email us at marriageandmoneypodcast at gmail.com or message us on Instagram at marriage.and.money. Thanks again for joining us this week. And remember that whether you're a spender or a saver, your best financial life lies somewhere in